What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 77 of the Work in Progress podcast. I can't wait to tell you guys who I have on for this week's episode. This is someone that I'd really been wanting to interview for a while, really enjoyed uh, reading his tweets, listening to him on podcasts, because I just felt like he brought a really unique uh, perspective. I think in e-commerce especially, it gets really crowded with the gurus, the people with the Lamborghinis, all that stuff, and it's really nice to just have someone that's real down-to-earth and actually gives value when they speak. Uh, just in terms of a different perspective. So in this episode, uh, I talk with Nick Sharma. He's the uh, recipient of the Forbes 30 Under 30 for 2018. Started actually managing social media strategies for top A-list celebrities like Pimple when he was only in high school. Went on to work uh, in D2C at top companies like Hint Water, as well as VaynerMedia. And now he's currently consulting brands freelance. uh, And he also plans to release his own brand in 2019. This is an episode I I highly, highly suggest taking notes on because Nick drops a ton of value when it comes to upcoming marketing techniques that uh, really aren't getting the attention that maybe everyone else is giving them. Underpriced attention when it comes to social media, should you be selling on Amazon, and overall, a lot of really great brand pillars to think about when you're either thinking about releasing your own brand or just observing uh, brands out there in the wild as well. So make sure to give Nick a follow on Twitter. His handle's at Nick Sharma. You won't regret it. And feel free to send me an Instagram DM to let me know what you think about this week's episode, the good, the bad, whatever feedback is always welcome. As always, guys, it really helps to leave a review for the show. So if you can take 30 seconds out of your day and just leave a quick review, it would mean the world to me. Now let's get into episode 77 of the Work in Progress podcast featuring Nick Sharma. It's really not about, well, who are you and how old are you? It's really how much time have you spent on a given platform? My, I think my one piece of advice, especially for young people, is just like every day, try and figure out how the world works. Compared to changing the future of somebody and doing it for the greater good. That is, in my opinion, the best idea I've ever come up with. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Sharma. We're going to talk about all things e-commerce branding and social. So I'm really excited to get him on the podcast. Um, so Nick, I know we were kind of talking about uh, kind of some of your former experience before this. And can you kind of just like highlight who you are and what you've done? Sure. So I am 22. I got my start in marketing um, when I was in sophomore year of high school doing marketing with different celebrities. So Pitbull, Priyanka Chopra launched the social channels for Magic. Um, And then from high school, went to the Bay Area, learned all about ad tech, learned about data, um, how software plays a role in advertising. Um, From there, I ended up launching my own like paid media shop. Worked with a bunch of publishers, Complex, Refinery. Um, and then from there, I realized that in the first few months of a new year, publishers don't necessarily have money because brands stop spending money at the end of the year. And so I had to get a couple brands on board to keep my lights on. And so one of those brands happened to be Hint Water. And so I worked with Hint for about eight months. And then um, I got recruited internally to come and run Ecom for Hint. And so I uh, worked on the Hint business and um for two years and did a lot of their d2c basically anything digital uh would fall on me or my team and after that um i got recruited out here to vayner media in new york um built the d2c product there sold it in 
and then just realized that client services just wasn't my thing. Mm. And so uh, clean break from VaynerMedia. Um, and now I'm just working with a handful of brands. Some you may know of, some you may not know of. Um, advising a few brands and hopefully launching my own soon. Very cool. I'm excited yeah. to see that. That's super sick. So I guess to kind of like, I guess, start from like ground zero, um, like where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Like, did you, I know you said in high school, you know, you already started working with these like big celebrities. Um, kind of like, where did that all start from? So when I was really young, I grew up next to a family where um well so indian families are always over at each other's houses mm. i think it's a very asian thing <laughs> and uh and so we grew up next to this other indian family and they were always over at our place we were always over at their place and one of the people that would come over was the son of the parents and his name was jesse and Jesse founded a company called Ampush, which is like the OG ad tech platform built on Facebook. Mm. And so Jesse would always come over, talk about Facebook ads, Facebook marketing, lead gen. And I started to get into it. And um, so from there, I started doing, you know, doing more research into social media and seeing what it's all about. Um, I ended up working with some local restaurants and shops on their social media. And then... Um, Luckily, got to meet um, a few celebrity managers in L.A., and then that's kind of how I got right into the L.A. scene of celebrities. Um, but, so yeah, so I grew up in San Diego, and, yeah, just really hated high school. <laughs> um, ended up figuring it out, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. So I guess, like, uh, you know, you mentioned, like, Jesse and kind of him introducing you to this whole world of, like, online marketing. Um, would you say, like, he was, like, your mentor at the time? Or, like, did you just gravitate towards maybe, like, watching YouTube videos? Like, how did you get the initial, I guess, like, learnings that you were interested in this enough to, like, want to pursue it? So when I was younger, I wanted to be famous. <laughs> and I thought the only way I could do that was by being a singer. And so doing digital strategy for some of these singers was like the only way to be as close as possible to them. So I basically just did everything I could to learn um, like what social is, how it works, how to interact, how to drive engagement, how to create content that people resonate with. Um, didn't actually watch any YouTube videos or take any courses. A lot of it was just looking at like who's doing it really well and figuring out the, I guess, the fundamentals of why it's working so well and then how can I replicate that and make it better, mm -hmm. which has kind of been my strategy until today also. Yeah, that's really sick. I mean, it's definitely working. So I guess in terms of, um, I guess maybe graduating high school and then like following that next step. I know you mentioned like you didn't go to college. So what that look like for you? Was it a big decision? Like, you know, I'm not going to pursue school anymore. I'm going to do marketing full time or like, how did that all play out? Yeah, it was definitely a decision. Um, but I just, I mean, my mom says it too. Like, I just don't think I could see myself in a classroom in college. Uh, I know my mom definitely could not imagine me <laughs> sitting in a classroom in college. <laughs> So, uh, you know, the two of us banded together and decided we're going to figure this out. And so, yeah, I didn't end up going to college. I worked at an ad tech company for a couple of years, um, ended up 
running sales there and then yeah and then i just went into my own thing right after that mm-hmm. and then in terms of being like that one-man show like at that point had you felt like you already like learned a little bit of facebook ads and all the like essential advertising platforms enough to like go on your own or were you kind of like learning as you were going yeah more more learning as i was yeah. going uh i always at the time at least i used to say like the best way to learn is off your client's dollars mm-hmm. um and you know if if uh one if you can sell you'll be set like doing your own thing but two then if you can take that and leverage it to your advantage to learn something new or just get better at something um you'll be set. So what I did was I just took all the ad dollars that I was getting um, from the quote-unquote clients I had, and that's essentially how I learned to run Facebook ads. And then the other thing I did was I just built up a network of people who were really good at it and um, you know, just talked to them and learned from them. If there was something I couldn't do, I'd figure out how to do it, or I'd ask them and they'd figure it out, or they already knew. Um, but... Yeah, just trial and error plus good network, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in terms of like networking, I know you mentioned I listened to you on Sarah Dietsch's podcast. That was a great episode. Thank you. Um, you know, you mentioned like this this moment of serendipity, which like led you to work with Pitbull, I believe, right? Yeah. And so, can you kind of highlight, I guess, how you've adopted networking from an early age and kind of where that's led you? Yeah, I mean, I think like building a solid personal network is just the biggest arbitrage of life. Um, I, I, I I don't know. I just tend to, I, if like, if I find someone who's interesting, I'll figure out a way to reach out to them. Um, and, and figure out some way I can provide value to them, whether it's, you know, like, uh, if it's a VC, maybe a company I can bring to them. If it's a, like somebody who's really good at doing email marketing, maybe there's brands I can bring them. If they're a writer, maybe there's clients I can bring them. Um, If they're a brand, maybe there's influencers I can bring them. There's a lot of things I can do with brands. But, you know, it's just figuring out a way to, I guess, value your time that you want to have with whoever that person is that you're trying to network with. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I, I tend not to say no too often when it comes to meeting people because a lot of people you meet even if they're not worth like the time or whatever, they usually know somebody who might be Mm -hmm. and they can always introduce you. Um, I've also played Twitter up quite a bit in terms of like networking. Uh, That's been a huge advantage for me. Really? Twitter? Twitter Just being able to, I mean, DM so many people or tweet at people. I tweeted the Twitter CMO a few months ago asking if she wanted to eat tacos and tomorrow morning, I'm grabbing coffee with her. Really? That's sick. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just the most random things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, tonight I have dinner with like some crazy investor. Mm-hmm. And again, that was just through Twitter because I DM'd an investor saying, hey, want to go to SoulCycle? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the most random things, but mm-hmm. they end up forming these really cool relationships that you can, you know, either just cultivate or figure out how to leverage in a way that's uh, beneficial to both people. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, just building a solid network early on, especially cause like relationships take a lot of time. I feel like totally. that's what people don't understand. Yeah, it's you like have to develop them. Yeah. Too many people think of relationships, especially in the business world as super transactional, mm-hmm. which is just the complete wrong way to think about it. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And that kind of honestly goes into to the next point I wanted to ask you about, which was influencer marketing. Cause I know mm-hmm. with your like influencer marketing and what you did at Hint, which I can like allow you to obviously share that, but um, you know, you built a lot of relationships and it really showed through in the fact that when your influencers were promoting Hint, it didn't ever feel like they were never like an being paid. Yeah. yeah. So could you kind of like highlight what that was yeah. like? I mean, I think it's easier if you have a problem that or a product that people like. Um, my, I, I never had a strategy on paper for what to do with influencers. Um, I, again, same thing, just started trying to build a network in that space and it ended up working out really well. Um, the way we did it or the way I did it was I would just send product and see what happens. Mm. Um, the first time I sent Sarah product, it ended up being a two minute video in one of her videos that actually ended up popping. And so that was really lucky. But then her just showing on her own that she liked it so much uh, gave me reason to then pay her for a video. Um, And we ended up having a pretty long-term relationship with Hint and Sarah. And um, yeah, I mean, most of the influencer stuff is like, you know, if you can figure out what the pain points are for influencers and fix those, um, you'll win. And most of them is just, you know, one, like influencers don't properly get paid ever. So if you can pay them properly, they're much more happy to work with you. Too, too many brands try to put constraints on what they do, mm-hmm. whereas I would literally just sign the contract, send it to them, and say, all right, I'll expect a video in two weeks. That's it. Um, yeah, those are the main two. Yeah, and what you saw from that was just people like genuinely promoting the product. And yeah, I mean, they're just humans at the end of the day. Yeah. All, all that's different is they're just good at storytelling and they have a following. Yeah. But they're still just humans. Um, yeah. And so something I've seen as well is just, um, in terms of, you know, I mentioned I had started my own brand and when you were choosing these influencers, kind of like, what was your strategy in terms of evaluating? Yeah. This person has a following, but do they have true influence? Yeah. Um, I would just look at engagement. Um, do people tweet them? Do people comment on their posts? Do, uh, video views is a big one Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to game video views. Um, so you can see how engaged their following is by how many video views they get. Um, but more than anything else, you know, we, I think one thing we did really well was leverage influencers as content creators rather than leveraging them for their following, right? Like the way I would see it was they have a following because they're good at storytelling. Mm. So I want to use the storytelling capability and leverage that when I sell hint. And so, um, you know, we would just find the ones that, enjoyed the product and then we'd work with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and I know like, I guess like storytelling and relationship building and brand building is something that you've, you've tweeted about before, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Like, what do you feel like is some like the core brand pillars, I guess, of a, of a solid brand? Um, core pillars. Well, for one, you have to have a good product. Mm-hmm. You can't get that far without a good product. Um, I was recently last week in a meeting with two guys who run a company that does, they'll do $80 million this year. But they, they're they like, we just can't, that's probably the most we can do because our product's only mediocre. And so good product is the main one. Um, and then just community. Like you got to build, you got to build the trust with your consumer. You got to build advocacy. Um, you know, ideally you want to, yeah, you just want to build brand equity. Mm-hmm. Like you want to build, you want to build, those emotions and those feelings when people interact with the brand or come across the brand. 
not necessarily just sales through ads. Yeah. Which is a thing that too many of these new disruptor brands are doing, which is they focus so heavily on acquisition because they have so much money to pay back to investors that they end up not building brand equity or community. And the second they turn their ads off, their brand's dead. Yeah, definitely. No, I've seen this. I think a, a good example of that is just like what's happening in ride sharing right now where like, you know, a lot of ride sharing companies are like going public. But then when you see like they're actually not that profitable or the fact that I personally don't believe that there's like a lot of brand loyalty in ride sharing. No, it's all. I mean, yeah. same with like your, um, you know, like Postmates, Grubhub. Mm-hmm. You just go for wherever's cheapest. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Consumers value discounts and and you know that's why amazon does so well Mm -hmm. but um yeah you got to build that that brand equity otherwise you're just not going to last long Mm -hmm. and i guess like the most obvious form of community nowadays like in 2019 would be online community probably yeah i mean online offline you know recess does a really good job they have spotify playlists they do events in soho um you know, a lot of other brands have big online communities. Away has their own podcast. They have a magazine. Um, Glossier has a big content machine called Into the Gloss. Um, yeah, a lot of these brands are just, you know, either they've realized it later in or if they're like Glossier, they started with content mm. um, and figured out how to build a brand off the community that they have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, obviously kind of, going back in your story a bit. So you were obviously really passionate about online marketing, but when did that transition into like e-commerce brands? Or t- <laughs> it, the, it's the funniest question because there was never like a real transition. Uh-huh. It just kind of happened. Yeah. And then, you know, like DTC became a term. Yeah. And I mean, DTC is really just like the equivalent of a mom and pop shop before Walmart and Target, right? Like it's just skipping that giant retailer or the wholesaler in the middle. And, um, just going straight through the consumer. Mm. But uh, yeah, there was never really like a, a real, like I want to go into e-com or I want to go into, um, you know, direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just kind of got into this world of advertising and then that advertising led to an e-commerce brand. And then that e-commerce brand also morphed into a quote unquote direct to consumer brand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I guess like transitioning from direct consumer into um, kind of like what the next wave comes with e-commerce, you know, mm-hmm. obviously Amazon's a big giant. I know you've, you've tweeted about Amazon before as yeah. well. Um, can you just kind of highlight that for people who maybe have an interest in e-commerce and are debating whether maybe doing Amazon FBA or maybe starting Shopify? Like where do you see, I guess, all these different business models falling into place? And if you were to start a brand today, what would you go into? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Amazon is a, it's a necessary, um, channel that you need. The issue with Amazon is, well, there's pros and cons, right? Like pros is one, you get to your consumer where they want to shop. Um, they get their two day shipping, they get, you know, they have their account, they have their card on file, et cetera. Um, the con is you don't, you don't know who that person is and you never will. Um, the other thing too, is if you're building something that's a commodity, like Amazon's going to figure out who your customer is, how much the sales volume is, and they'll just replicate it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's a, 
Yeah, it's got its pros and cons, but the at the end of the day, you have to, as a brand, give your consumer what they want, when they want it, and where they want it. And if that means that Amazon is a channel that you have to focus on, even if it's just your top couple SKUs, um, to catch that you know, spillover traffic, then you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. I think Amazon is... Like, I use Amazon almost every day when I need to buy something. Yeah, I probably spend too much money on Amazon. Yeah, and it, it's just, it's so easy. Yeah, so it's, it's really too hard. Easy. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to compete, like, or build a site that's anything close to 100%. that. 100%. And I mean, you know, they, like, they're one of the top e-commerce sites in the world. So mm-hmm. they have all the data on how to make the most efficient checkout flows, the most efficient, like, product page. I mean, they they just do it the best. Yeah. Because they have so much data. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, if you launch your own brand on your own site, you own the data, you own that customer relationship. Um, it allows you to build community, build loyalty, um, leverage a referral program, which uh, Amazon just won't let you do. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when you look at all these brands, right, you mentioned uh, you know what some of the top players are doing. They're being kind of transactional. Um, what do you think in terms of investing for like smaller brands would be a really good place to invest their time. Because as you mentioned, a lot of these brands that are starting up are probably like one man bands, right? You can't yeah. necessarily do all of it or even hire an agency to outsource. Yep. So I guess, do you think social is the most important right now? Would you focus on email? Like where do you think is the most potential? I, so I think like, um, paid social is just a necessary, you just have to have it. Um, but I think SMS is a really underrated one. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody opens their texts and the thing, the, the, the thing that brands need to figure out is how to create accessible content through SMS, right? So like it has to be stuff that people genuinely care for mm-hmm. or want to see or want to click on. It can't be things that are just not, um, that are just not relevant. Like I was talking to a mattress company a couple weeks ago and you know, they mentioned that one of their competitors has a blog, but their blog only talks about, you know, if you want to sleep better, you put your phone away for two hours Mm. before you sleep, which no one's going to do. Yeah. So what's the point of putting it? Yeah. But if you were to put like a sleeping tip of the night that goes out every day at, you know, 7 PM, let's say that might be something that people engage with. Um, and it just allows you to collect more data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like you, you mentioned like data and data is a big part of like, mm-hmm. you know, creating a better, smarter brand. Yeah. How has that kind of played into like, you know, what what you've done in, in the past as well? Because do you, were you studying like Facebook data a lot to create better ads? Yeah, or? everything. Yeah. I mean, f- um, Facebook data, website data, customer data, um, you know, with Facebook, you can see down to like the people that engage with your ads what other brands are they interested in Mm -hmm. and then you can go line up partnerships with those brands um you know that's how we ended up doing the hint and the skim partnership because Mm -hmm. i saw that the skim was highly highly relevant to our customer audience and um and then we did the partnership with the skim and that did really well um on the website you can do everything from looking at data of where people are dropping off down to like what people are clicking on, how far down they're scrolling. You can watch user sessions, mm-hmm. um, which I would do all the time. And then we would fix landing pages or, or website modules according to like where people are stopping or trying to, you know, 
hypothesize why they're not going through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much you can do with data. I mean, you could go down to like, you could get super granular and, you know, somebody might pull an insight of like, oh, we often see that people buy two watermelons and then one pineapple. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something we can do with that. Um, yeah, you can just you can get really, really granular or you can use it to um, make changes in the macro. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's that's 100% true because sometimes like you, you don't know, you could put a strategy out there and it's just a strategy until you actually evaluate it with the given data. Yeah. And le- as you mentioned, like what you get versus like creating your own website versus just selling on Amazon is that data yep. and being able to fully control that, seeing like what the open rate is, what the click-through rate is, and then, you know, adjusting your copy accordingly. Yeah. I mean, we would even look at data down to like the people that come to X landing page. What kind of car do they drive? Oh, what kind of TV shows do they watch? Mm-hmm. What music do they listen to? And then you can, you know, you can add elements from all these insights, um, whether it's into the creative, into the landing page, into the experience itself. Um, and small things like that will increase conversion rate. Yeah, definitely. And so to kind of tie in a little bit of, I know we kind of mentioned influencers and social, just kind of wanted to pick your brain because I know you had mentioned you started off, um, you know, doing Snapchat filters. And so where do you think, (laughs) where do you think Snapchat is today? And um, yeah, how do you see these other platforms as well, like TikTok popping up? Yeah, TikTok's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So do you know Cosette? Cause, uh, maybe if I saw her, yeah, she, so she worked with me a lot at hint. Mm -hmm. She crushes it on TikTok. Really? Just, just (laughs) I mean, like every time she talks about it, just my jaw drops. Absolutely destroys it. Three weeks on the platform, a hundred thousand followers. Um, insane. But you know, TikTok is, TikTok's really interesting because it gives everybody all the tools to create content really easily. Um, you have the music, you have the editing, you have the video, you have kind of all the elements of like what's going viral. Um, you can hop on trend. I mean, it's so easy to get discovered on TikTok. Um, Snapchat's really interesting. I don't think, I think for the most part, brands have given up on Snapchat now. It's more of like peer to peer messaging, um, which I think is going to become more and more valuable. Um, but Snapchat ads are super cheap. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Yeah, that's Extremely what I was kind of hinting at. Cause now we're looking at Snapchat <laughs> on the news. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I think I think Snap's a super underrated platform. Really? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone's kind of like, I feel like, throwing it to the side. But then that means if enough people are throwing it to the side, the attention on there must be pretty underpriced right now. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the brands that are on there haven't necessarily figured out creative mm-hmm. for it. Um, so I think there's a lot to go on snap um yeah yeah definitely and then as as like the the number one i guess do you see do you see instagram holding holding its place as number one platform oh facebook yep and then instagram um i mean face like everybody talks down to facebook but like facebook will just always destroy everybody's on facebook and people who say they're not on facebook or they don't use facebook are liars (laughs) they're just liars everybody's on facebook the younger audience, at least like over maybe like 30, 25, 30. Everybody younger than that's on Instagram. Um, everybody younger than that's on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how as these groups of users get older, what they end up doing. Same. Yeah. yeah are they going to converge? Because what I've noticed, I've honestly personally kind of 
dove into the world of TikTok for a couple of weeks, mostly just from like a marketing standpoint. I was yeah. like trying to see what I can do in terms of product placement on there. And it's really interesting because you get these super young girls, but then they want to like drive their traffic to their Instagram a lot of the time when they say like, follow me on Instagram. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the TikTok stars aren't fully embracing the fact that they're TikTok stars. Yeah. And until that happens, I think, um, I mean, they should embrace it because I mean, they're still getting a bunch of eyeballs, but yeah, it's just I mean, really TikTok's also just such a new platform. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of work to do in terms of branding themselves with people who are older than 13. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's kind of viewed as uh yeah, not that important by I guess people who aren't teenagers, but mm-hmm. um I think TikTok's really interesting. I spent an hour and a half watching TikTok videos last night. Yeah. And just kind of understanding like what the platform is and what people use it for. It's mm-hmm. re- I mean, some of the stuff is insane. Like, you'll see song lyrics taken out that end up describing, like, U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's like, these kids are so creative mm-hmm. in the way that they figure out how to leverage lyrics to create somewhat meaningful content that, like, could teach something. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think that's how Old Town Road really blew up is like it is it yeah i didn't know that yeah it's really how it blew up because basically it was like on tiktok and then you know everything that gets shared on tiktok gets shared on twitter and youtube yeah Yeah. so i think that's really where it got its start and it's just funny because i feel like right now where we're at yeah it's so early but Mm -hmm. maybe in like five years it'll really just become a dominant platform yeah so i know you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast you know you're only 22 which i mean doesn't necessarily like age doesn't say much but i mean you been able to do a lot in like mm-hmm. a short amount of time i guess what is your approach on like learning and just gaining as much experience as you've gotten up until this point um i'm a big fan of like the ten thousand hours um and also just just like putting in the work mm-hmm. um that's pretty much it you just got to put the work in um or put the hours in and and again network really smart um you know, I, I probably spent, oh, and writing helps a lot too. Mm. build your network. Um, yeah, I mean, you just got to do it. Like age isn't necessarily something that should slow anybody down. Um, and I think now we're seeing that happen more and more. Um, but yeah, you just got to do it. I mean, I, I try to stay as busy as possible and learn about as many things as possible as many brands as possible i try and talk to as many interesting people as possible um yeah yeah because I, I it's it's interesting because you don't give me the the like hustle hustle type of vibes yeah but like i know i know kind of like based on my research and like following yourself like i know you like know your shit so yeah. it's just kind of <laughs> like it's kind of interesting because like i feel like you're pretty laid back but at the same time you've been able to do a yeah, lot yeah i think i'm laid back because i'm comfortable in the sense that i know um you know things are gonna be things are getting done mm-hmm. and i'm not worried about that or stressed about it um, but if you were to pull up my calendar, it was booked from like 9am today till I think till nine or 10 tonight. Wow. Um, and, but yeah, like everything is planned. Actually, one thing I learned recently, do your homework and schedule properly and mm-hmm. you're set, mm-hmm. you know, before going into a meeting, if you do your homework, you do your research properly. Um, you're good before, you know, a crazy week or a crazy day. If you properly schedule everything through, 
make a list of your to-dos and you know what you need to get done um it's just an easy ride it's really how you do it yeah. yeah yeah i mean i like that it's like obviously and your your own perception of something that sucks or something that's hard like that's just a thought right mm-hmm. it's like making a financial model might suck but if you just tell yourself it's fun maybe it'll be fun or it'll <laughs> suck less you know no that's true i mean mindset is key i definitely have a big belief in that um so obviously like we talked about kind of like what you've done so far like what are you looking to do i guess in 2019 and like the next couple of years i have no clue really? <laughs> absolutely no clue um i started advising a few companies here and there mm-hmm. um which to me is a lot of fun because a lot of these brands are in a stage where they're in hyper growth mode and to me that's the most fun stage of a brand which is like you're you're building and you're solving problems and you're putting out fires um at the same time i hopefully will launch a brand this year um and so that's something that's a work in progress um but yeah i don't know we'll see i have no clue what i'm going to be doing next month (laughs) yeah i mean that's exciting man i'm excited to follow your journey on social media and if anyone else wants to follow you where should they find you at mr sharma on twitter um or you can email me n at sharma.com. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much for stopping by, Nick, yeah, and talking you. about social and influencer marketing and all things e-commerce. It was fun. Thank you.